Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast right here on arseblog.oleole.com. You know, I've fucked this up so many times tonight, the introduction, that I've decided that uh, in order to do it professionally, in order to do it in a way that at least makes me look slightly competent, um, it'll have to be done in sign language. So if I fuck it up again, nobody knows. So uh, from here on, the Arsecast is in sign language. I've I've um, just realized that I, I don't know sign language, which I don't suppose makes a great deal of difference in an audio medium. If, for example, you were getting the arse cast, like on those uh, late-night TV shows, you know where they do the news late at night, and there's a little person down in the corner doing sign language. Do you ever see those? They're a bit mental. Anyway, uh, that's not happening either, because this, of course, is just audio, and uh, I think this could be put down as another dodgy start. Nevertheless, I shall keep going. I hope you're well. I hope your ears are well, in particular, because they are uh, the most important part of this Arseblog interaction. I think it's uh, fair to say, you know, my voice, your ears. I can hear your ears screaming as it is, but don't worry, it's not just me. The far more dulcet tones of Amy Lawrence will be along uh, in a little while to talk about all the football that's gone on in the last seven days. I think it's also fairly reasonable to suggest that the uh, the last week has been far more enjoyable and much less stressful than the one that came before it. We all know the reasons why. There's no point going on and on about them again, but... Um, you know, the, the difference couldn't have been more marked. Although we took a great deal of positives out of that particular week, the stress of dealing with all the, you know, retardness, retard, retardosity, the retard, um, yeah, the stupid stuff. Uh, that was that was a bit difficult. And this week, of course, we've uh, we've just gone out and done stuff on the football pitch, which makes far less headlines than you know the other stuff. Player having legs smashed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, people don't have a great deal to say when we go out and win 3-1 and when we go out and win 5-0, apart from Arsenal were quite good, you know. I mean, it was only Porto, but, you know, yeah, I suppose it was all right, like. 5-0 in the Champions League, I'll take that all day. Since the last Arsenal, we played 2-1-2, scored 8, conceded 1 watched a display of almost sublime ridiculousness, if you can have such a thing, uh, from Nicholas Bentner, uh, and then watched him make amends for that um, a couple of days later. It's been a, a funny few days. Uh, the, the game against Burnley, I think everybody thought was going to be a lot more 
convincing that there might have been a lot more authority to our performance and and everything else i mean it started fantastically um credit to everybody again who was involved in making the banners um to everybody who chipped into the rs blog banner which got showed uh, all around the world on match of the day football first the uh, red action banner looked brilliant as well fantastic effort uh, for aaron ramsey who who arson wenger says now is bored which um, is fairly understandable when you go out and play football every day and now you have to sit around your house and just keep your leg in the air. It is probably probably very boring. Um, the game itself, it, it could have been five or six or seven or ten, uh, but uh, Nicholas Bentner didn't uh, have his shooting boots on that day, and that's, uh, that's saying something. Uh, the chances he missed, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm not the world's greatest finisher, but I, I fancy I could have got one of those, at least. And I'm pretty sure that you're all sitting there going, yep, I could do that. Even my old pal Johnny One Leg, whose one leg is really crap, I reckon he could have scored one of those. It was um, remarkable. I don't think I've ever seen a striker miss so many clear-cut chances, one after the other after the other. But credit to him, he kept at it. He was determined not to be beaten, and he was going to miss the next one even better than he missed the one that came before it. It just wasn't going to happen for him. Um, we went ahead, which was fine. Then they equalized, which uh, is another reason why people, despite the good results, have uh, still a little few worries about us defensively. It was a bit of a shambolic goal, ball straight down the middle, and everyone looked at it, and David Nugent. I mean, David Nugent. Uh, an easy goal for them. But come at the hour, come at the um, guy with the action man haircut. Before the game, Chris Waddle had said that Theo Walcott didn't have a football brain. At least he's got a brain, said Arsene Wenger, more or less. And he doesn't say penalty. He does not say penalty. It's not a difficult word, penalty, is it? It's like people that say chimley or hostable. Or you get people here that say, I'll have a package of crips. No, they're not L.A. gang members, deep fried and salt and vinegar flavored. So, I mean, you know, you have to question people like that. But uh, Theo responded in the best possible way by scoring uh, the goal that put us back into the lead. Bender missed a few more chances. Arshavin wrapped the game up. Fantastic. 3-1, three points, just what we needed. It was a little tighter than we all would have hoped, but nevertheless, three points were the important thing. And then, of course, on to the game against Porto in midweek. Uh, what can you say? A hat-trick from Nicholas Bentner. Because I had money on him on Saturday to score the first goal. And Sesk put that pass through to him, the very first chance that he had, and Burnley just got back in time. It was after about three minutes, and I'm sitting there going, this is great, I'm going to win the money. Brilliant, awesome, he can't possibly miss from here. Oh. So I decided against putting any money on him at all, even though there was a little voice in my head saying, you probably get reasonably long odds for a Bentner hat-trick. I looked, it was 11-1. to 1. After the display on Saturday, he should have been about 100-1 to 1 to score one. Never mind a hat-trick, but that's neither here nor there. First two goals from Bentner, magic, really good. Uh, Nasri's goal, a thing of absolute wonder. It really, really was. Just a beautiful goal. And you know the way people were saying afterwards, well, you know, you wouldn't get that time and space in the Premier League. People would kick you, you know. 
Maybe they would, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he danced around their defence and cracked in a brilliant goal. People always have to look on the negative side of things, don't they? Just accept the fact that it was rather beautiful. And that's all. Don't have to qualify it in any way. Just accept it. It's lovely. The fourth goal, Emmanuel Abue, from a breakaway. Arshavin set him up. And Nicholas Bender with a penalty to uh, secure his first ever hat-trick. Arsenal's first European hat-trick at the Grove. And uh, passage into the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the what fourth or fifth year in a row. While Real Madrid, having spent a billion pounds, go out. Rather petulantly, I believe. I didn't watch it, but it's still hilarious. So as I said, you know, weeks like that are far more enjoyable. When you score a load of goals and win a couple of games. Much, much, much more enjoyable. Because you don't have to listen to all the crap. You don't have to have a load of crap happen first. You don't have to listen to all the crap too. So, it's a good thing. So many more weeks like this uh, towards the end of the season. I'll keep my fingers crossed for them. Anyway, to discuss uh, the events of the last uh, seven days a little bit further, uh, I'm joined now by Amy Lawrence from The Observer and The Guardian. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Very well, thank you very much. Now, uh, the previous week for Arsenal was not a good run in the uh, wake of the Aaron Ramsey injury and all the controversy that went with that. The, the best way for Arsenal to get over it, I suppose, was to go out and do the business on the pitch, and um, they've very much done that. Burnley should have got a spanking, and Porto did. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it was in a fantastic week. I think when you have sometimes a period when you've got a couple of home games close together um, and things go well, it really brings everybody together. And uh, the response from the team was actually, in a, in a way, amazing at Stoke, considering what had gone on. And it was always going to be quite, quite interesting to see, once the emotions had settled down a bit, you know, what was really going on within the heart of the team. Um, and although at Burnley, um, you know, as you said, it could have been five or six or seven and was only three, it wasn't really a reason to go home disappointed. Um, I suppose the only thing was that people were sort of expecting to to psychologically have that benefit of going top briefly because I think everybody looked at Burnley's away form and expected Arsenal to, to get the sort of four goals that were were needed to do that. But it would be very churlish to be disappointed about winning a home game 3-1. Sure. Um, and, and in the end, although some people thought it was sort of close-ish, you just got the feeling that there were more goals in, in Arsenal if necessary. And um, the, the Porto game was was just joyous, really, from an Arsenal point of view. And I think what's interesting is when you, when you look at the the two legs. You have to always look at a Champions League knockout game in terms of its two legs. It's a 180-minute experience, and you have to master the whole thing. Um, and obviously, <laughs> effectively, the first half was pretty catastrophic. But in the end, I think that the away goal that Sol Campbell got was really important because what it does when you have an away goal is give you the the, the feeling that. You, you don't have to be quite as anxious. I think Arsenal knew, really, that they just needed to get a goal and then the whole uh, emphasis of, of the tie shifts. Yeah. And getting an early goal, it was it, it, that's exactly what happened. And Porto complete, completely caved in, as um, Arsenal obviously would have hoped. And, and Arsenal were brilliant in taking advantage of that. So I, think, I really think that that goal from, from Sol Campbell was critical, actually, because I think if you go into a game with the second leg with a mountain to climb um, it is tough and, and the longer the longer it goes on 
dullness, the more the nerves settle in. But there was no, there was no nerves from the off, um, which was great. So, and I think people who sort of say, well, it was only Porto when they weren't very good, really, are being rather churlish and need to go and, you know, cheer themselves up some other way. <laughs> um, you spoke about the early goal and it came from Nicholas Bentner. Now, I'll admit that when mm. I was watching the Burnley game, um, you popped into my head for one reason, and you probably remember the conversation we had yeah, on this yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you where you mentioned Nicholas Bentner, you know, was potentially a twenty five goal a season striker, and um, in fairness, he got in all the right positions for a twenty five goal a season striker, but the finishing wasn't up to scratch. But Tuesday night proved that you're not crazy at all. Um, <laughs> he's 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 got something about him, um, and at twenty two years of age, he's still very young for a striker. Obviously, still learning his trade. He's never really had an extended run in, in Arsenal's team uh, as the main centre forward uh, and and the goals he got and I think in particular the reception he got um, when he went off against Burnley uh, w- will have filled him with a lot of confidence not that he needs any more Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting on the Bentner front I've, I, I had um, uh, two phone calls from Danish journalists within the space of about five minutes after uh, uh, in the aftermath of, of Bentner's week and it's creating sort of massive waves over there, and they're absolutely fascinated about because he's really the you know the best player to come out of Denmark in a while. Is he going to be as good as he thinks he is, or you know is ben, is Bentner the, the world beater in his own imagination really a myth? Um, uh, and it was it was all quite interesting until uh, at the end of the conversation that one of the journalists asked me about Brand Bentner and whether or not. Uh, people in England thought that Bentner and his royal girlfriend were like the Danish <laughs> posh and becks, which got me a little bit nervous. But um, I think I, I, he is a very interesting um, character. And in the end, he's at a stage of his career where he really is sort of teetering on that will he, won't he. And, it, you know, he may well turn into that 25-goal-a-season player and he may turn into a player that probably you know, that ends up playing for a Sunderland or a Burnley or Blackburn or whoever. Um, mm. it, it's, it's still debatable and it's really up to Nicholas to make sure that it goes the right way. And I thought it was really interesting after the game against Porto that Arsene Wenger was was quite careful about what he said about Nicholas and, and first of all he said that he he hoped that um, the hat-trick didn't make him too confident very sarcastically but then turned around and said quite rightly that he hopes that the um, that the experience you know makes him want to work harder and gives him more desire to improve his game and I thought that was quite an interesting thing to say immediately after what has been the best moment of this player's career because that's the, the, the key with Bentner is he has got so much potential. Okay, his first touch might not be as good as Marco van Basten's, but he has got an awful lot of qualities. And I think if you ask any defender who plays against them, he will go off at the end of 90 minutes, even if it's been one of those days where Bentner didn't score, thinking, oh, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a tough afternoon. Yeah. Um, and and he, his, it's about um, honing those qualities and getting the best of them. One thing I would say is that I don't think it's a coincidence that Arsenal's season has kicked on again when he's come back into the team. And that's not so much because it's him, but that's because it's a centre-forward. Yeah. And I think what we've seen is that the way that the team is, is functioning now as a unit, with Bentner up there, is, is showing you exactly why everybody was crying out for a centre-forward to be bought in the January transfer window. And, you know, 
trying to get by without Van Persie for months on end and sort of thinking Eduardo might find his feet more quickly was really a bit too optimistic from from Arsene. But but in not buying a centre-forward in January, he has really made a massive statement of faith in Nicholas Bentner. And if this boy can deliver between now and the end of the season, bearing in mind he's 22 and it's kind of his first full season being a regular starter, and even that was interrupted by three months of injury, he's got a lot of responsibility on him, but if he can deliver, it will be exceptional. He will have been helped, I suppose, as well by uh, the fact that Andre Arshavin, who's had to, to fill that um, centre-forward role and, and who looked increasingly grumpy at having to do it and uh, unwilling to actually do it at times, um, has moved back out to the left where he can be, I suppose, accommodated a, a little bit better uh, from the point of view of, of, um, of what's expected of him in terms of work rate but what he can bring to the side um, from a creative attacking point of view was very much in evidence against Porto. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was quite interesting that Arshavin and Nadri, who were the ones who really took the creative um, burden from Fabregas, uh, were both playing in positions that were more um, natural to them and more instinctive to them. And Arshavin looked a bit liberated, I thought, to be, to be back in a position where he wasn't Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Trying to. <laughs> vainly win headers against six foot four monsters um and and Nasri obviously looks kind of a new player given that that freedom to to play in in the sesque role if you like um what well, that's what's been really impressive i think about if you look at this season especially recently there's been a lot of players there were a lot of players who who were slight question mark players I mean, going into this season. And what's happened is a lot of those question mark players have have really evolved. Nasri, as of late, has begun to look more and more like the player that uh, everybody had hoped he would evolve into. Diaby has come on in leaps and bounds this season. Song has um, established his credentials that were beginning to be shown last season. And, you know, that midfield area was the one where people have been eternally talking about getting the right kind of partner in for Sesk. But when you look at how the, the, these players who were question mark players in midfield have, have answered, uh, it's very encouraging. I suppose we could talk a little bit about uh, Emmanuel Abue if we can, because mm. we're talking about players that have um, have uh, had question marks well, over them. Well, he wasn't even a question mark. Uh, no, player. he That's wasn't. The biggest miracle of ever. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, last season he was, he was written off completely. Yeah, 
uh, and and went through difficult times and and you know uh, you you still look at the criticism he got and a lot of it was was uh was quite relevant because he p- performed badly he behaved badly um he had a lot of aspects to his game that that weren't savory at all um and in the light of that kind of criticism and the weight of that kind of criticism the easiest thing for i suppose the club to do and the easiest thing for him to do would have been go somewhere else start a new chapter and and away you go the more difficult thing to do is get your head down work hard get back in the team play well and not only that win over fans that um really didn't have a great deal of time for him in the first place and his goal against porto was fantastic but you know his his attitude this season deserves a lot of credit i think yeah i agree that goal was was tremendous and just not a goal you would have expected every way to to have been involved in um a year or so ago, he probably wouldn't have made the run. He probably wouldn't have had the composure for the finish. Um, He's really been so terrific that what's nice is that when people used to sing, we only come to see a buoy, it was plainly sarcastic as hell. Whereas now, you know, you do want to come and see a buoy. And when, when when he comes on, you're actually really more than optimistic that he's going to add a lot of purpose a lot of positivity, and a lot of, not just, you know, he was always a skillful player, but now he seems to use that skill with much more intelligence. Um, and may, maybe he's just a late maturer, because I mean, c- clearly he was a pretty immature fella uh, not so long ago. And I think it is um, it, it is enormously creditable that he had the bollocks, really, to you know, take all that criticism and not whinge and not moan and not uh, slag off the fans, which is what, you know, professional Mm. footballers who are on quite good money, on the whole, are very quick to feel very bitter about people who criticise them. (laughs) A bit precious. Yeah, you could say that. And, uh, you know, 99.9% of footballers would have absolutely not wanted to know about (laughs) <laughs> about Arsenal or Arsenal fans after what he'd experienced, whether he merited it or not. Um, and that just clearly isn't in his head. And I, I, I think everybody feels quite warmly towards Eberway now. And, and you know, last summer, most people would have wanted him sold. Whereas this summer, I think people will be quite keen to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm. All right. We'll look ahead very quickly to the uh, game tomorrow against Hull. Uh, there's a bit of history between the two clubs now down the uh, down the last uh, few games. Obviously, there was the little handbag stuff in, in the game at the uh, the Grove this season, and then there was the, the whole spitting incident with Fabregas and Phil Brown and Brian Horton. And we, and we know that Phil Brown is a, an acolyte of, of Sam Allardyce. Uh, they're really scrapping for their lives, and games like this can be can be very difficult. Do you envisage Hull taking a quite physical approach with Arsenal, or, or how do you think this one's going to go? I think that what Hull will try and do is wind Arsenal up as much as possible and as quickly as possible. Mm. And they've been quite successful at doing that in the past. And, <laughs> and Arsenal have shown themselves sensitive to Hull. And in a way, that's probably the most unhelpful thing in the world at this point for Arsenal. Um, Hull's problems are Hull's problems, but really it's it's critical that Arsenal don't get too um, sucked in and don't respond and don't react and just try and focus on, on what Arsenal are good at and keep the momentum going because uh, momentum is a very powerful thing in football and if you think back to all those uh, run-ins in, in 98, 2002, 2004 and so on when you're on 
one of those kind of runs, it just gets more and more powerful as you go along and you get closer to the prize. And things are looking nice, bubbling along well. And I think it's pretty important to capitalise on that. And, and another setback would be, yeah, I'm sure Arsenal can, can get up and go again. But I just think it's vital not to get too wrapped up in what, you know, what Hull might be up to in the game. And <laughs> and uh, I think that the, 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 the game at Stoke, albeit the, the, the Ramsey situation, you know, if you try and take that out, and that's a difficult thing to do, but the response of the team um, and, the, you know, to go to a place like Stoke where you expect it to be a traditionally dreadful time for Arsenal um, and turn it around in the way they did, it's exactly what they've got to have in their heads for a whole. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the opposition. Just go and get three points. All right, I can live with that. Uh, we better leave it there, Amy Lawrence. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers to Amy. We'll get her back on the Irish cast soon, I hope. Now, before we go on, uh, a short commercial break. The Nicholas Bentner Finishing School is now enrolling. Do you want your daughter to have the best? Do you want her to be cultured, educated, and socially aware? If so, then there's only one finishing school that can provide an end product like ours. Elegance, grace, sophistication. We can teach it like no other, so it becomes second nature. Call the Nicholas Bentner Finishing School now on 1-890-5252-52. And if we don't finish them, we'll bang them all over the place. One of the other really interesting things about podcasting is when you uh, press the button, speak away for ages, and and you surprise yourself by coming out with something so um, meaningful, so in-depth, so thoughtful and insightful about the game of football, about our football club, the club that we all love. And then you make a mistake about four minutes later and you say, well, I'll go back and I'll just edit that bit there. And then you realize you haven't pressed record in the first place. I am having one of those nights, let me tell you. Um, Just going back to something Amy said when we were chatting away to her and she was talking about Arsene Wenger's comments about Nicholas Bentner and maybe keeping his feet on the ground. I thought his comments were were very interesting too. He said, I don't think about the last game, it's only the next game. What I did in the last game doesn't matter. It's the next game that counts. And and that's interesting because, you, you know, you, you look at the Burnley game and he's not taking that baggage with him into the Porto game. Nor do you expect um, he's going into the whole game thinking, well, I did a hat-trick in the last game, did a hat-trick, scored a hat-trick. And I know I, I said showed earlier. I think it was something like that. Yes, I said it was showed instead of it was shown. But I can't go back and edit that now. So I'm just correcting my grammar here about 20 minutes later on. Um, he's not going into the whole game going, I've scored a hat-trick. I don't have to do anything against them. Which is a good thing in a way. And quite level-headed. But like Amy says, he's an interesting player. And I think he gives our team um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good things. Particularly in terms of the... Uh, the shape he gives us, it allows Arshavin to play um, in a much freer role. He's a provider, he's a creator, and he can score goals himself. He's happier out there flitting around, doing his thing, going through some strange little phases. There was a, a part in the Porto game where he gave the ball away about, 
uh, three or four times in a row. There was one bit where we were defending, and he did this strange back heel up in the air and just kind of walked off. Let the others deal with that. But he's obviously uh, a much better player uh, out on the left-hand side where he can uh, pick up the ball from deeper and and go out defensive. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they go against Hull because it's going to be a difficult game. Uh, We'll get the team news on all that in just a moment. Um, Speaking of Irish, Evan, here he is. Hello, I am Andrea Shevin. Um, This week has been a good week for football. I uh, scored a goal against uh, Burnley and uh, later uh, against Porto. I make chance for Bentner that not even he can miss. So with football, we are uh, very happy. And uh, this week I have been um, studying English to um, make better uh, vocabulary. And I am learning uh, about names. That, uh, for example, if uh, someone last name Carpenter, mean probably in the past um, their family was Carpenter or Miller perhaps uh, worked in in mill is uh, very interesting uh, to me because uh, this week we play uh, Hull and uh, the manager is called uh, Phil Brown maybe it's because uh, I am Russian but I look and uh, should be called uh, Phil Orange no <laughs> What a strange little man he is. Andre Arshavin will return on another Arscast in the very near future. At the moment, it's a little bit quiet. Um, I know we've had our midweek European fun, but now there's uh, a couple of weeks where we play Saturday and then it's another week until we play again. And then it's only towards the end of the month that things start to hot up when uh, Champions League quarterfinals come in and the games come, uh, providing we get through, of course, uh, the quarterfinals, they start to come every three or four days. So it should be more uh, more intense, you might say. Um, going into the whole game on Saturday, the team news is that Sesk is probably out. 0.5% chance of playing, says Arsene Wenger. So even for Sesk, one as holy and miraculous as he is, uh, that seems a bit of a stretch. Apart from that, the lifers, of course, are the uh, are the ones who are missing. Van Persie, Ramsey, all those guys. Um, Rosicki's a little bit of a doubt. Saul Campbell, a little bit of a doubt as well. The manager might think uh, Sylvester uh, can do a job in Hull. I would be inclined, if I could to stick with Saul Campbell because uh, at least then there's a week before the next game. William Gallas's injury, still all up in the air. We don't know when he's going to be back. Arsene Wenger's talking about uh, the desire to keep him at the club, but every season he gets an injury that keeps him out for a fairly significant period of time. And the last couple of seasons, it's come at, at a bad moment. He got injured in the, uh, was it the Champions League game against Villarreal? Um, last season, and it didn't do us any favours at all, I have to say. Uh, but he he's out, of course. Um, so it's between Sylvester and, and Campbell for the centre-half slot. He might think about the more fresh Sylvester. I would think about the more better Saul Campbell. That would be my thinking on it. Phil Brown, what can you say? 
You know me. I'm not a man who likes to um, resort to profanity, but he really is one of the biggest cunts of all time. I'm sorry. Hull, I have a strange affinity with, with Hull because it was one of the first uh, first teams I, w- I ever went to see because we lived there. My father used to take me and my brother and we go and see Hull City uh, every now and again at Boothbury Park. And it was an interesting experience, but I never became a Hull City fan. But Phil Brown, son of Sam, isn't he? And you know what they're like, sons of Sam. Bit serial killery. Now, I'm not suggesting Phil Brown is... Uh, an actual serial killer, more a metaphorical one. His effect on the game of football in general is like that of a man who kills lovers in their car. <clears throat> I th- It sounds a lot better in my head than when I say it out loud. Um, of course, it's an important game for us. Uh, we've got to uh, keep the momentum going. Um, three points, absolutely crucial. Uh, Hull are going to be scrapping for their lives. It's going to be a difficult game, but 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 I think we can. Uh, I think we can get the points up there. I'm not putting any money on anybody to score any goals, so that should mean hat tricks from everyone. If my thinking regarding Bentner is right, um, so that's about it. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for all that. Uh, have yourselves a fantastic weekend. That's about it for this week's Arscast. I know last week's was super long. This week's is a little bit shorter. Uh, nevertheless, have a great weekend. Here's the three points against Hull, and talk to you on next week's show. Until then, take it easy. Bye bye. You, you there, what's that you're wearing? Are you wearing clothes? Are you coming near me, wearing clothes? If you're wearing clothes, I'll have to go to a fair. We'll see about your clothes wearing there. Clothes! He was wearing clothes! Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.